Hello and welcome to Revive Health's Daily Briefing Live for Monday, April 6, 2020. This is our 30-minute review of the latest, most important news, resources, and advice for health system marketers and communicators dealing with the COVID-19 crisis. I'm Chris Bevelo, health systems practice lead at Revive Health and your host for the show. I'm joined as always by Chase Kleckner, Senior Marketing Manager at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Chase. Hey, Chris. Good to see you again. Yes, good to be back. We missed folks on Friday. Sorry about that, but we're excited to be back today. So thanks for hanging in there. We're joined by Josh Kunover, SVP of Marketing here at Revive Health. Hey, Josh. Hey, good to see you guys. Do you want to give like a 15-second overview of your entire life history for folks so they know who you are? (laughs) Sure. Um, Josh Schoonover, as Chris said, I have been working in and around healthcare for the better part of 15 years. Um, Started off on working actually in medical clinics, then went on to the journalism side of things, as well as some doctoral research in healthcare environments, then management consulting specifically in healthcare, and for the last several years have been at Revive. Great. Well, thank you so much for joining us, sir. You bet. We wanted to have the conversation Josh and I are going to have on Friday. As we said, we couldn't have the show um, because we thought it was a good Friday kind of topic, but uh, it'll work on a Monday too. So we'll get to that quickly enough. Uh, Let's see. As with each show, we plan on covering the latest news, uh, providing some resources, and most importantly, sharing what we're seeing, hearing. Uh, from other Marcom professionals across the industry and what we're thinking. We want this to be interactive. So please, if you've got a question for Josh and I uh, or Chase, any of us, go ahead and put that in the Q&A queue at the bottom of your Zoom window. Uh, We'll get to as many as we can at the end of the show. You can also use the chat function in Zoom if you want to talk to other attendees. Uh, But if you'd like us to answer a question, make sure it gets in that Q&A queue. Um, Chase will also be providing any relevant links we mentioned uh, in the chat function. So if you want to access those immediately, you can. Um, Know that we post a uh, recording of this episode uh, and every episode by the end of the day. So you'll be able to find that at our website, thinkrevivehealth.com. Or if you want to go right to our communications hub on COVID-19, where we have a lot of good stuff, go to thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19. Also know, because we realized how difficult it is for folks uh, to actually chime in or listen every day at noon or even a single day at noon, everybody's pretty darn busy, obviously. We are now uh, up on iTunes, so you can subscribe to the podcast and listen to it whenever you have a chance. Um, Though we were talking today, um, I was talking with someone, my podcast queue is so far I'm so far behind on my podcast because not commuting anymore. Um, there's not a natural time for me to listen. So hopefully you can find that time. Uh, let's see. A couple of notes for those of us who haven't joined before. Uh, we always like to say we are not experts on COVID-19. Uh, so not a place to come for medical or scientific advice. We do have opinions and thoughts on how marketers and communicators might want to manage the crisis. But just keep in mind Uh, everybody's situation obviously is unique depending on your organization, depending on the community you're in. So make sure you apply that context to anything we're going to be talking about. Uh, So you can make whatever decisions are best for you. So with that, let's start with the news. And we always start with uh, the latest count. Uh, We do that because when I say count, I mean count in terms of cases and deaths. 
We do that because it provides the context we need at the highest level for how to think about um, what everybody needs to be doing and considering in terms of this crisis. Because as things continue to get worse, we're gonna have a certain mindset. And as things start turning around, hopefully um, this month, uh, we'll have a different context kind of coming down the other side of it. Uh, so we use the Johns Hopkins tool, Johns Hopkins University. And when I refreshed at the top of the show, Globally, we're at 1.2, almost 1.3 million cases with 70,798 confirmed deaths. Uh, the United States, unfortunately, continues um, its rapid, rapid increase. So it was last week when, um, well, I think the week before on a Friday where we became number one. Uh, last week, we doubled the next closest. Uh, this week, we are almost at the same level as the next three combined. So if you took Germany, Italy, and Spain and combined all of their cases, we're almost at that same level at 338,995. Obviously we have a larger population, but it just shows you how quickly this has advanced in our, in our country. And we are up to 96, 9,683 deaths, unfortunately. And the chart on Johns Hopkins just shows this continuing to go up and up. So. Um, there's been a lot of talk about potentially a peak sometime mid-April. Um, not sure if it'll hit mid-April or later in April. Some good news, um, tentative good news. Uh, Governor Cuomo in New York, uh, who has kind of emerged as a leader nationally, not just for New York, but because of what the state's gone through. Uh, he came out today and said uh, that the count, the latest um, day death count in New York is a little lower than the day before. And so he said that their continuing size, the virus is starting to slow. Uh, obviously, New York is out in front of a lot of other metropolitan areas. So that doesn't mean it's slowing nationwide, but everybody's got their eyes on New York given what they're going through there. Um, and our hearts go out to all the people who live there, all the healthcare workers having to deal with just such a, a unbelievable crisis there. So that is good news, even though it's tentative, of course. Um, that's good. Good to hear. So um, let's, let's remind you of a resource we have. I mentioned before our uh, COVID-19 communications hub. Uh, one of the things you'll find there is we re-ran a consumer survey, 700 folks across the country. We had done that um, just over two weeks ago, we reran it last week. So you can find an updated report there. Uh, just some statistics coming out of that. Hospitals, health systems, and physicians are still the most trusted source of information, uh, according to consumers. So that's above uh, national health experts. That's above the federal government. Uh, that's above local governments. Uh, and consumers are wanting more information from hospitals and health systems. So really important for you, for all of you to to keep that communication ongoing. Uh, we've seen a spike in the number of people who are aware of virtual care and telehealth, which isn't surprising. 13% uh, more said that they were aware of it than before. We were a little surprised, Josh, I know you're aware of that. Um, if I remember right, I think it was 47% the first time we ran it had heard of telehealth, yeah. which seemed low at the time even. Incredibly low. Yeah, I mean, we're, go ahead. I was going to say, it, it's really interesting that one, knowledge of it um, seems to be lower than we think, but then again, 
we're having these discussions every day. Uh, general consumers may not be. So that might skew our thinking a little bit on that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So now we're at 60%. Um, we would imagine as things continue uh, that that will, that will become even higher. So that's a good thing. Uh, and obviously it's driving a lot of change within our systems to, to ramp up virtual care to, to accelerate digital transformation, uh, all of which is a good thing, not just now, but coming out of this. Uh, and maybe a negative, one of the things we found is 70% of consumers said they still don't have enough information on how to get tested, um, which is just, it, it's hard to believe we're still dealing with testing as an issue in this country. And it's not just information on testing, but we're still seeing shortages. Uh, we're still seeing an inability for everybody to get tested who needs to be tested. Um, we've got to get that straightened out. And obviously that's part of why people don't have the information they need because there isn't, actually isn't access to testing that should be there, right? So uh, make sure you go to thinkrevivehealth.com slash COVID-19 where you can access that latest survey. And Chase, I'm sure if you haven't already, we'll post the link in the chat channel. All right, Josh. So what we had decided to do last week um, for Thursday and Friday, but now um, Thursday and Monday was really pivot. So we have been spending, we've been doing this podcast now for three plus weeks and vast majority of the content is focused on what people need to be doing now during the crisis, which of course is extraordinarily important, the top priority. Uh, but because we're hopefully only a few months away from emerging, uh, it may be still yet too soon to put a lot of time and effort and thought into what happens next, but it's not too soon to at least start exploring it. And so Thursday, if you did not, if you're unable to hear our CEO, Brandon Edwards, uh, talk about the business side of emerging from this and what we're calling the rapid recovery, the need for rapid recovery, and really the life or death scenario for health system businesses, for, for hospitals and health systems from a business perspective, um, really encourage you to go back and download that and listen to it. Uh, that was Thursday. And then what, what Josh and I wanted to talk about was um, how might some of the things that we have held near and dear to our hearts in terms of hospital and health system uh, marketing and branding, how might they change fundamentally? I think we are definitely in what we might consider a before or after scenario. So one of those deals where we will look back in time and go, remember before uh, how it was and, and how much it changed after. Uh, and so, you know, for example, people tease me all the time and I think it's completely appropriate to tease me. Uh, the author of the books, Joe Public Doesn't Care About Your Hospital, uh, utterly true up until this to this crisis. And now we're in a situation where, as we just said, 100% they care about the hospital and not just in terms of where do I get tested and how do I receive care, but desperate for information and looking to our organizations for information in all kinds of ways. So uh, will that continue coming out of that, out of this crisis is, is part of what we want to talk about, right, Josh? So we've got to, you know, we're just going to put this out there. We don't have the answers. We just want to start asking the questions and start those conversations because it really does depend on where things go, how, how bad this becomes, how long it takes us to come out of this and the state of our industry on the other side. 
Um, but we've got a number of things that, that we want to kind of launch into and just explore. So are you ready, Josh, to put on your, ready. your futurist hat? Sure. Let's do it. You, you look like you're wearing a futurist hat right now. I like that. I know. That. I know. <laughs> All right. So, so the first thing um, we want to talk about is cost. And coming into this crisis, a lot of last year, particularly near the end of the year, and certainly moving into 2020, our focus as an agency was to really draw attention to hospitals and health systems on what we were calling the value crisis. And what we meant by that was hospitals and health systems have increasingly become, um, one way to put it is the third villain in the high cost of healthcare in the United States. So the typical villains in the past have been pharma and insurance industry, so, so health plans. And in large part because of the, the election, the Democratic primaries, a lot of things, we were seeing increasing scrutiny from the media, from regulators, from politicians, from corporations about the role hospitals and health systems play in the high cost almost to a degree that was sometimes laughable. Some of the stories that would come out, um, you know, equated hospitals and health systems to insurance plans and pharma um, with equal kind of vitriol, uh, almost dismissive of the role that hospitals and health systems play uh, in terms of healthcare. But this was going to be a, a, an increasing problem for hospitals and health systems. And, you know, in terms of our brands, we're one of the few industries where the value, where we're at on the value spectrum is typically not part of our brand. So if you think of retailers, um, you can think of Nordstrom's up here and Walmart down here in terms of discount versus luxury. Not really a part of how people evaluate hospitals and health systems, um, but, it, but we may need to make it part of it if, or, or in the right way. Otherwise, it will become part of our brand proposition in a negative way, right? So this was something that we were going to spend a lot of time on. Now, um, we are seeing potentially a wholesale shift in that because what people are realizing is uh, hospitals and health systems financially are struggling mightily. And um, will we see a shift in public perception, in media perception, in political perception about the role of costs with hospitals and health systems, um, and will people look at it in a completely new way? So Josh, I'm gonna knock that over to you and see what your first thoughts are on that. Yeah, I guess the thing that I think about right away is, you know, when we talk about the cost, I don't know that anyone's talking about that now, right? If anything, they're looking at how underfunded right. some hospitals and health systems are and, and what kind of equipment they're able to have, what they're able to process, how people are being like work workers and how much uh, healthcare workers and how much they're dedicating to being there regardless of, but one, the financial costs, two, personal costs, and three, like safety costs. And I think it's, it's a, that kind of has defanged, at least for now, that whole conversation. In fact, it's to the point where now people are thinking about how do we donate to these how hospitals and health systems, whether that's in masks, whether that's in food for caregivers or, and, and healthcare workers, even just in sentiment where you see a lot of folks putting up banners and driving by hospitals and clapping for folks just to say like, we're with you, we believe you. So I think it's the cost conversation is not one that's being had right now, other than the fact that 
whatever dollars we have to pour into that, whether that's from the most recent stimulus package or what they're talking about for the potential future one and having a healthcare focus on that. Um, but what you are getting is a probably a significantly acute appreciation for what hospitals are doing. And that value conversation is just being told in the work that people are doing, the stories of heroism, um, how hospitals are getting ready to do that. So I feel like it, this doesn't mean for the long term. And I think a lot of the things that we're gonna talk about here, Chris, um, like you said, we don't know all the answers. And over the long term, those answers may evolve even once we do have them. But right. what I see now is a really defanged uh, conversation or a defanged argument about cost. And more importantly, how do we properly resource health systems so they can do the good work that we need them to do? Yeah, I think I think an example of this shift, and to your point, Josh, is where there have been discussion of costs, it's been related to the cost of receiving treatment for COVID, right? And so, especially going into this, um, a lot of concern about people avoiding um, getting tested or going to the hospital, going to the ED because of their fear of what it would cost. Um, and there's been reports like the average cost for treatment is like $33,000. But, but the emphasis on that problem is not on, boy, isn't that expensive? Why is it so expensive? And shouldn't hospitals and doctors be getting paid less to lower the cost? It's been all about um, the lack of coverage in this country. Um, you know, it brings back Medicare for all. It brings back socialized medicine. The scrutiny is put on plans for trying to step, like in Minnesota, there's been an agreement where plans have agreed, nonprofit plans in Minnesota to cover the cost of treatment. Um, there's been a lot of talk about, I think last week, we heard from the federal government said they will cover the cost. I mean, we don't have any details on any of this, yeah. but it's all focused on covering the costs rather than how high the costs are. And that's an example of the shift we're talking about. And yes, coming out of this, how long will that last? But you could certainly see the conversation shifting, like you said, Josh, from defending the cost of hospitals and health systems to why aren't we paying more? Why aren't we supporting them more than we are now, given the role that we now all remember they have to play in national crises like this? Yeah, it's, you know, I think, you know, if we look at the before and now the after, where the argument was that health systems were pulling in tons of money for that and it's and they're equating cost to that. But then you see that razor thin margin there where things change and all of a sudden you realize there's not the dollars there. The resources are, are scarce for things such as this. And so it just completely flips how people think about their engagement and, and the value that systems are bringing to communities. Right, right. Okay, so let's move on to the next one. Um, and this goes back a little bit to the Joe public doesn't care about your hospital messaging. Uh, so I will say like, I'll raise my hand. I've been out in front of this, but I know I'm not the only one. Um, the idea of maybe the last decade really advocating hospitals and health systems move beyond cliched brand messages and visuals. So a classic example, example is showing doctors with stethoscopes in your advertising. Um, but it can also go to things like promoting quality, um, touting your facilities, uh, all these things that, again, in the before uh, were assumed, uh, were things that really weren't differentiating. We, we definitely wanted to focus on the added value, uh, let's say health 
oriented focuses um, and messaging and trying to move beyond just like, hey, we're a place where there's doctors and nurses and um, yeah, no kidding, right? This crisis has brought forward uh, again for people the critical role hospitals and health systems played. Now, folks that have had to deal with the healthcare system, right? Patients and their families know this. But Joe Public, the vast majority of people who haven't had to deal with it up until a certain point when they do, have, you know, kind of just assumed that, you know, that's there and haven't had to think of it this way. The crisis has brought the critical role of hospitals and health systems, the critical clinical role to the forefront for everybody. So now coming out of this, maybe the smartest thing you can do is put doctors in your advertising. Josh, what are you thinking of that? Yeah, just to the point that I alluded to earlier is providers are emerging as the heroes. We've, many of us have known that there's heroic work that they're doing on a daily basis, but the national sentiment around heroism and what folks are giving up, not just in terms of their own personal safety, but you hear stories of how they're going home and they're going through separate entrances, um, not able to see their families or they're staying at hotels or other areas designated. So the amount that they're giving, or you see doctors driving from outside of New York to there just to pitch in in some way. Um, I know Paul Hackett, uh, our executive creative director was on last week and he talked about how frontline caregivers and doctors and all those folks um, have the, there's the possibility of a 9-11 like um, mm -hmm. ascent to how people are viewing them and really understanding their work. Um, and so it would be really hard, one, not to highlight that in a significant way because they are the ones that are taking us through this. They are the ones that are dealing with this day in, day out without any kind of a break. And so if it's just not for respect and admiration for what they do, but more importantly, they, be, they have become in this kind of very convoluted, sometimes confusing conversation around healthcare, some of the, or around uh, COVID-19, some of the most steady voices in it. And so I think having them um, be who we're looking to and the pe what people are recognizing as um, trusted resources for the how they receive care now and in the future, it would be hard not to really kind of put that out there as something to put some emphasis on. Yeah, yeah. And of course, as always with, with marketing and advertising and branding, it needs to be done in a way that's differentiating. And that was part of the problem with the doctors and the stethoscopes was, well, all hospitals have doctors with stethoscopes. So what are you saying that's different? And that'll still be a challenge um, coming out of this. And as we've talked about before, um, brands will be made and broken by this uh, because it is far more about what you do and how you show up in the world than what you say about yourself that establishes a brand. And usually that takes years and years and years um, to establish. It, it can be knocked down pretty quickly if you have the wrong kind of crisis. Um, but, but this crisis, um, some health systems will emerge in a far different place for better and worse, depending on how they've responded, how they've stepped up to help lead the community, um, if they've had any issues um, besides just COVID, but just things yeah. that have spun out from COVID. Um, so of course, all of those things are going to matter as well. Um, one of the things we were really excited to talk about coming into 2020, Josh, was the idea of a post-health system brand. Um, we have a paper out there about that, which is essentially advocating for health systems to move beyond promoting themselves in their brands um, to anchoring 
their brand as something that is a, an emotional driver in their um, audiences, right? Um, so you wouldn't talk about all the things that we just mentioned. You would, you would find a way to have your brand be associated with something related to your audience. Uh, I'm not sure that goes away because there's still going to be ample opportunity um, to really position yourself beyond just the clinical care. It just may be a choice you have. Yeah. And, and, and we see that about talking about health at a broader level and impacting people's lives and all of their moments. We've talked about those as living moments, deciding or uh, thinking moments and deciding moments for how they go through experiencing healthcare. Um, but there was a, a study done by Resonant, which is an, uh, a consumer intelligence, artificial intelligence platform. Um, and they talked about how 50% of, roughly 50% of people um, are more likely to put off addressing any health, any non-critical healthcare issues or even dental issues until after this is over. And it just tells you like, once that is the case, that doesn't mean that their needs go away, right? That means that they are going to be having those. And if, if not, like just deferring some of their issues. So when we do get on the backside of this, whatever that looks like, um, we might not just be having a health conversation, right? We're going to have to be talking about acute needs that have gone unmet or that they have concerns real or perceived to address. So we're going to have to talk to those acute moments, not just a broader health conversation. Yep, yep. All right, we got, we got two more to hit and we're nearly out of time, but I still, one of them I want to play with a little bit and that's the idea of new entrants. So obviously two huge trends that have shaped branding and marketing coming into this year are, are new entrants into the, into the healthcare world. So by that, we mean the CVS, we mean the Walgreens, we mean the Walmarts, we mean the Amazons, um, you know, freestanding urgent cares, all of those, right? And that has been seen as this, this, growing threat to traditional providers where, you know, traditional providers are slow, they're stodgy, they're not good with consumer experience. These other people are going to swoop in, they're going to, they're going to eat their lunch, right? Now, part the first thing I think of is like, you know, hey, CVS, like no offense, but you know, your immunizations are really cute, but we're over here like saving lives all the time. Now, of course, Health systems were always doing that, um, but it takes something like this for people maybe to remember um, it, it, this kind of crisis, the social role that traditional providers play, right? Because it's been a long time since they've had to play it at this level. So part of me wonders whether um, that threat by new entrants will be properly put in the perspective it should be as like, yes, of course, it's a great place to go for these things up here. But for the real bleep, this is where you're always going to come. Yep. Yeah, I think, you know, people experience health and healthcare and sites of service a little bit differently based on their needs. And so when there is convenience, maybe they do go to CVS or whatever it is that they do um, for those quick care things. But I think you see the gravity of what right. holds the health system together and for the first time, probably in any of our lifetimes, if not even longer, is the collective view of the country is on this issue and seeing what it takes to actually address meaty issues in terms of healthcare for the country. And so I do think it probably pushes some of those other, other services that are nipping around the edges in some kind of context to what we all require for the health of our country. 
All right, we're going to stop there. The last one we have is consumerism. I feel like we could do a whole podcast on it. In fact, we should. We should have Josh back next week, and let's explore consumerism more because I think there's all kinds of ways to spin. Um, I want to get to one question um, before we wrap, uh, and this is from an attendee who asks, as health leaders are highly trusted, how how well have health system leaders done in stepping up to speak and leading communities? Do any names come to mind? I've seen Tina Free Stret. Uh, Decker from Spectrum Health in Michigan do this otherwise, but none others. Is this a missed opportunity? So um, 100% it's a missed opportunity. The, the survey results and everything we're seeing and hearing is that consumers are, look, they're, they're dying to hear from hospitals and health systems just overall, but there is a leadership vacuum related to this crisis overall, right? We all know that without getting into down the road to politics or anything like that. It depends on the state you're in, um, but man, people are craving that leadership. And so uh, one name that pops to mind is Rod Hockman uh, from Providence, who I think has always done a good job of going out there on important issues. Uh, I've heard him out there. I know there are others, but there's not nearly as many. There should be at least one in every market. One in every market who is, um, if not with her or his colleagues, um, playing this role, at least somebody is. Um, and I think initially there was some hesitancy, but I, I mean, Josh, you weigh in, but to me, that is an absolute missed opportunity is even the wrong word. It's a missed opportunity for their brand. Sure. But put that aside, it's a missed opportunity to help all of us get through this. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think no names really rise to the surface of people that I've been paying attention to that I think are doing this. Like we've seen how certain governors have risen to be mm -hmm. the voices of that. Um, I haven't seen that as much on the system side. And, and that could be for any number of reasons. One is um, maybe their market hasn't been hit just yet and the reality is still to come. Maybe it's because numbers are changing by the day. Maybe it's just paralysis from the unknown. But I do think that there is a drastic, and we see it in the data, that people are craving information, craving some kind of honest interaction and the truth in terms of what they can and can't do and what they should and shouldn't do, um, even to as simple as what you pointed out, where to get tested. And I think that there is um, a need, unlike ever before, um, of having people out on the front, having honest conversations with their communities um, and taking that lead role. And it would be great to see more of that happen. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and wrap. Uh, if there's something you'd like us to cover, please put it in the chat channel um, in Zoom right now. You can email me at cab at thinkrevivehealth.com. Um, we want to make sure we're responding to the, to the stuff folks want to talk about. Um, Josh, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. I loved it. Definitely have you back, dude. And Chase, as always, sir, thank you. Absolutely. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow we're having David Perry, who many folks know, healthcare marketing expert. He's currently a senior advisor at Stanford Medicine uh, and a friend of the agency. So that'll be a great conversation. We actually have some great guests lined up this week. We have uh, the CMO of UCLA Health, who's going to join us Friday. We have the CMO of UC Davis. So a California heavy week, um, which is great. Um, you know, it's very hard for folks to find time and we appreciate them coming on to share um, their learnings and expertise. So a great week. If you can't join us uh, for any of those, remember you can go to thinkrevivehealth.com. Uh, banner at the top will take you to a recording or download on iTunes. Uh, make sure you're subscribed there. And again, to all of you out there, the work you're doing is so important to your organizations. 
and so important to us as a country to get through this crisis. Hang in there, keep up the good work. We will be back tomorrow and every weekday until this crisis passes. Thanks for joining us and we will talk to you then. Thank you.